all in, all together. That's our focus for this coming year. When we started our, when we started our church, it was seven and a half years ago now, we started meeting in my living room probably about a year before that. I don't remember exactly. It's a long time ago. Um, we, met, we met for a while as a group of 15, and then we started having public services in the movie theater right across the street in March of 2014. And when we started having public services, we had no idea who was going to show up or if anybody was going to show up. And for a while, not very many people did. Our first week was like, there was probably like 40 people there. Um, but it was also like a lot of our parents who were like, you're not going to be back next week. You're just here to be like, good job, guys. And then you're going to go back to your church. So our first week was like, oh, there's some people here. And the next week and then thereafter was like, okay, so this is going to be a grind, you know. Um, but there was a very deep sense of shared responsibility. Everyone felt like if they weren't there, their, their presence was going to be missed. Because if I'm not there with my family, that's like, you know, 10%, 15% of the church body is gone, right? It was true. And through that process, through growing, we've had a lot of wins. We've had some really big wins. We've baptized people. We've made new amazing relationships. We built this place that we're sitting in today. We've had some missteps as well. As our attendance grew, we tried to do too much. We stretched too thin and we made some mistakes as a result. Now, coming out of 2020, um, we have an opportunity to hit the reset button. And we're going to do our best to rebuild around the values that we had when we started, while also learning from the mistakes that we made along the way. So for this year, for this school year, September to August, we are going to be focused on what we can do together. It's part of what made those early days special, that kind of like all in this together sort of feeling. But we want to do that and we want to invite you to be a part of it. We want to bring everybody into that and be on board together. Now when we talk about being all in all together this year, we're going to be focusing in on three things. Belonging together, growing together, and serving together. Belonging together, growing together, serving together. So when I say belonging together, what I mean is really building a sense of true belonging together in our relationships and community that we feel we feel like extended family to each other that there's a real sense of belonging that these are my people and when I'm not there I'm missed I'm needed but I can also have my needs met sometimes but ultimately it's a life-giving community experience growing together growing in our identity and faith in Jesus together serving our community together serving each other together We'll talk about growing and serving in coming weeks, but today we're going to focus on belonging together. Belonging together, building a sense of belonging, of true belonging together. Like a family, developing a culture where people can come in, connect, and have the opportunity to truly belong. If you've had that experience, I remember when I when I started uh, getting serious about Leslie, who's now my wife, and starting to go and be with her family, and that sense of belonging, this like new group of people, that it's, it's so strange to be like, some of you I don't know that well, but I already have this sense of, 
of real belonging with you guys too and how amazing that was. There's a part of that that we want for this church. Now here's a few things that belonging is not. We're gonna spend a lot of time talking about what belonging is, but here's a few things that belonging is not. Belonging is not uniformity. We're all individual people. We have different life experiences. We have different viewpoints. In order to feel like we belong, we do not need to be carbon copies of each other, right? And sometimes, some of you might have maybe have been in a church setting where, where there's like a, a pastor who's like, everybody really looks up to the pastor or the pastor and the pastor's wife or whatever, and, but they're like, they're sort of trying to become carbon copies of that person. We don't want that here. And even if we wanted it, I don't know that, I don't know that we have the pastors to be able to do it, to be honest, but, uh, you know, um, but we don't want that. Churches that insist on uniformity are built on something other than Jesus. The second thing that belonging is not, belonging is not rose-colored glasses. We're not a perfect church. We're not even an extra special church. Churches that think they're like, that think they're that in a way that's unique, they're weird. It's weird when churches are like, guys, I'm telling you, like the thing, you gotta, you gotta come visit my, I'm telling you, this is, the, it's like, hey, I need, I don't, I know, I don't want to go at all now. Like, you know, someone like overhypes a joke or a movie, and then you, you finally watch it, and you're like, eh, right? It's weird when people do that with churches. It's weird. We don't want to have rose-colored glasses. That is not what it means, true belonging together. The last thing is belonging together does not mean always having something for every single person. There can be a season in your church life where there's not a program that fits exactly what you need. That doesn't mean you don't belong. Now, going back to the early days of our church, this is something that we did not get right. Like being okay not always having something for, for everybody. It's something we didn't always get right. And actually, to be totally honest, it's my fault. I'm the one who really didn't get this right. People would come in the door and they would ask if we had fill in the blank. And you know what we had in the early days? Nothing. <laughs> we didn't have any money. We didn't have any programs. We didn't have any idea what we were doing. We had like some, like, some elbow grease and uh, like a bucket of equipment that we had to like set up over there. And that was about it. But when people would come in and ask, do you have fill in the blank? My first my first instinct was always like a salesman to try to keep him on the phone. It's like, well, we don't, we don't right now, we don't exactly have that right now, but if you stick around, we would love to get it started with you, right? It was so hard because we needed someone to come in the door of the church besides ourselves, and we wanted visitors, and we wanted to make them feel welcome, and we wanted them to get connected so that we could disciple them. So when they came in and asked us, do you have fill in the blank, it was really, really hard to simply say, we do not. So we would literally, we would, we would start programs for one person. Someone would be like, I'd love to have this. And we'd be like, I guess we better start that. They're like, our, that, that's, our, that's our visitor. Let's start a program for him, right? To be honest, we did a decent amount of that. And we're actually, like, our crew, like, we were a pretty savvy group. We could, like, brand things pretty well. We could, 
you know, some of the parts of like making a program, we weren't bad at. But when we tried to do that, we did two things. We exhausted ourselves and we literally never created anything that worked when we did it with, with that motivation. It literally never worked. And we, I mean, I could, I could go back to my computer and pull up like graphics that I made for this thing or this. I could, a lot of them, the graphics are probably okay, but the, the, the nobody, it didn't work, right? We've learned through that process that a true sense of belonging cannot be programmed. Most of the best discipleship, the best relationship building that we've witnessed over the last seven years has come outside of whatever programs we're trying to create. It's been in a lot of the relationships, but whenever we've tried to create structures, the best thing have happened outside of those structures. And you might be thinking, yeah, that's just because you're not good at it. Maybe. Maybe. We want to build lasting community. The kind, the kind that engages with people as extended family, not as a programmatic fit. So this year, what we're moving into this year, will probably be less programmed there will probably be less on the calendar uh, than we've ever had. Entire weeks are going to be bare. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing happening. Like I said, the best stuff, it was true then, it's true now, the best stuff isn't on the calendar. That has been true and it remains true. This would have been so hard for me to say Back in the theater, in the dingy, dark theater. No, I mean, if I, I mean, no offense. The theater, it's good for a movie. It, as a movie theater, it functions well. It's a little harder as a church. It's a little harder when you're trying to, like, light things up, right? Because movie theaters are dark. That, nothing against the movie theater. We did have to vacuum popcorn some mornings before we started service. And by some mornings, I mean all the mornings for four years. <laughs> and I shouldn't say we, because I think it's fair to say that I never actually did the vacuuming myself. Um, but this would some of this stuff would have been really hard for us to say at that point. And if you're a visitor right now, I want to be clear, we are so glad that you're here. It's not that we care any less about you than we used to. It's just that we've come to terms with who we are and who we aren't. So if you're looking for a lot of programs, we don't have a ton, to be honest. This year, we're going to focus on doing a few things and doing them well. And we'll talk more about what those things are in coming weeks. I'll also say that if you come into church as a visitor, if you, if you come in with the mindset of a customer, you're going to be really, really underwhelmed by our customer service. We suck at customer service. We're terrible at it. But if you're looking for a place to belong, I believe with all my heart that you can find it here. But it takes time. Nobody feels like family overnight. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians. God, as we open up your word, Lord, would you open up our hearts to receive what you have for us? In Jesus' name. Okay, i got to fire through this, because I know we've got... You know, usually we're thinking about making sure that we don't 
upset the kids out there, and, and they're here today, so if I run long, I'll know. Don't worry. All right. We're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about what it means to function as a church body. And he starts by talking about gifts. I'm going to pick up in in verse 4. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. But to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So we're talking about the spiritual gifts here. Now, we're not going to do a deep dive on the spiritual gifts today. John taught through this text, I believe it was about a year and a half ago. You can go back and find those. Or if you want to just talk about that, if you have questions about that, reach out. I would love to sit down with you and, 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 uh, and just have a conversation about that as well. But we're going to keep moving for today. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? That These are rhetorical questions. The answer is no. Um, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will, still, I will show you a still more excellent way. So now we're going to go through, and we're going to talk about belonging, breaking that text down a little bit. I have a few points here. The first one is this. Belonging together means mutual identity. Our sense of belonging, one of the things that we do need to have to have true Christ-centered belonging together is a mutual identity and that in Christ. Going back and looking at it, for just as the body is, this is verse 12, is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So looking at that through this lens of identity, our new identity is in Christ. We've been talking, we talked a few weeks ago about our new self. 
If you came to worship well, we talked about our new self, our new identity in Christ. That is our mutual identity. That is the thing that we must share if we're going to really have a sense of true belonging with one another. I'm also going to point out just verse 27. He's talking about this. He says, neither Jew nor Greek. He also says, now you are the, in verse 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ, meaning all of you who are reading this letter, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So in our identity in Christ, we see a few things in that mutual identity. First, it is both a communal identity, an identity that we share together as one, and it's an individual identity as we have different functions within it. It says you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. A lot of, a lot of, where, a lot of where our agreement in society breaks down is, is around, is everything personal, personal responsibility, or is it communal responsibility? Which is it? That in the church, for the Christ follower, it is always both and. We have mutual identity. We have shared identity, which does not, just does, does not cancel out our individual identity. It comes alongside it. And the church right now, the church in America is having an identity crisis. Now that's a different sermon series. I can't get into it today. So I'll keep it short. If you don't feel like you can truly belong in a church with someone who disagrees with you on politics, with someone who, who has a different cultural or racial background, with someone who disagrees with you on COVID, masks, vaccines, if you don't feel like you can truly belong with people who disagree with you around these things, your identity is not in Christ. It is in those things. I don't just mean tolerate. I don't just mean look the other way. I mean, if you don't feel like you can really belong, truly feel like family with those people, you're in the midst of an identity crisis, whether you know it or not. When we insist on uniformity, we are throwing in the towel on doing the harder identity work to find our identity in Christ in favor of a version of church that feels more comfortable but will ultimately be, I promise you, less life-giving. A part of mutual identity is mutual submission. That's my second one. Belonging together means mutual submission. Our shared identity is as children of God. Our mutual submission, which means our agreed-upon source of authority, our agreed-upon authority structure is God our Father. In this passage, he says there is, no, there is no Jew or Greek, which means those cultural, those racial identities are gone. It also says there is no slave or free, which means we are submitting to a different authority structure. And if you think around these things, now is a difficult time to do these things. It's nothing in comparison to the early church. When they were taking Jews and Greeks and Samaritans and they were smashing them together and saying, figure this out, be the church together, share meals together, do everything that I'm telling you and do it together because we share an identity and we share an authority. Belonging together means mutual purpose. 
mutual purpose. Now there are, this is verse four. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same God, but the same spirit, sorry. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the spirit, to, uh, sorry, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. When we look at that passage, the common good. Our purpose as believers is to use our gifts for the common good. Not just for our good, not just for the good of Christians, for the common good. The common good as God defines it. The kingdom good. What's good, for the, what's good for the kingdom of God, what is true about the kingdom of God, that's our purpose. Pursuing those things is our purpose. So we've got mutual identity, who we are, mutual submission, whose we are, right? Mutual purpose, what we're, what we're supposed to be going after together. Next, mutual commitment. Shared commitment to one another. Now, this is hard. We do not all value commitment the same way. Different personalities, different life experiences, different hurts and hang-ups. We don't process and handle commitment the same way. Going back to the text, verse 25, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The same care for one another. That means for the person who serves every week in kids ministry, you don't have to, you don't have to serve every week in kids ministry, but you need to take care of the person who is doing that. It also means that when, it, it says, when, when a part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. We're supposed to hurt together. We're supposed to mourn and endure hardship together. And the American church is not very good at this. When someone's hurting, we give them a little bit, we'll give them a little bit of time to stop, um, basically to stop harshing the vibe. It's like, all right, like, okay, but now it's, you're kind of being a bummer and we're all trying to stay happy. If they don't suck it up, we start to move on from them. We don't, I mean, we don't make them leave, but we sort of just start to like move them to the periphery of what we see and engage with. Is there a time to tell people to stop feeling sorry for themselves? Yes. You should probably make sure you really love them first. Otherwise, the motive is probably not great. But there's also a time to hurt with people who are hurting. And if you're incapable of that, there's some growth that needs to happen. But mutual commitment isn't just about that. Mutual commitment is also about a shared 
a shared agreement to give up some freedom to experience a deeper sense of belonging. Now, there is, there is no true belonging without any freedom. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm not talking about authoritarianism. I'm not talking about a cult where, you, you know, it, it, that's not what I'm talking about. But we have so much freedom, and in order to feel a deep sense of belonging, we have to give up a little bit of that to experience a deeper sense of belonging. If you're in a happy marriage, you can, maybe you can think back to the, back to the and the hesitancies you've, you had about committing to marriage before you got married. You might remember some of the thoughts you had. I remember some of the thoughts I had. But if you're in a healthy, happy marriage, those concerns feel ridiculous now because you've experienced a deep sense of belonging, a deep sense of trust, a deep sense of friendship that makes those concerns just feel silly, right? It actually can be the same with the church. When we insist on keeping our calendars clear so that we can last minute do whatever we want to do, we're sacrificing some belonging. We don't see it that way when we're doing it, but we're sacrificing some belonging. When we bail on commitments, we're sacrificing some belonging. And in some cases, I think what happens, like ours, is people are trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to experience the deep sense of belonging without having to commit to anything. It doesn't work, guys. It does not work. Now, we're not an intense church around commitment. Nobody gets scolded for missing church to go up north or down south or whatever. Nobody does. But remember this. If you want a deep sense of belonging, you got to show up. You got to put it on your calendar and leave it on your calendar and show up and build the habit Sometimes you'll miss out on something that feels better. You will. You'll say, I can't do that that weekend. Now, to be clear, vacation, good. Uh, getting away, good. I do not expect anybody to be here every week by any means. But in our relationships, in the stuff that happens outside of Sunday mornings, if we don't put it on our calendar and show ups and show up, we will miss out on some of this sense of belonging. So please don't hear me saying you're going to be in trouble if you don't do this. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you're going to miss out. And this is an area where we need to grow. Commitment to one another is an area where we need to grow. Okay, millennials? Who don't like commitment? Who try to, who like, ah, but if something better comes up? Okay, boomers who, are, who feel like you already put your time in? We need to grow in this. If we're going to have a deep sense of belonging, we need to grow in this. Gen X, I feel like I don't, I just, I got nothing to hit you with today, so. Okay, Gen Xers who, I don't know, like Facebook? I don't know what you guys like. I really don't, so. My parents are boomers. I'm a millennial. That's what I understand. Ben, why don't you guys come on up? Commitment to one another, not out of a sense of obligation, not, not out of a sense of requirement, but out of a sense of belonging. 
out of a sense of belonging. We want this place to be a place where people belong. People belong to an extent that when times are difficult, when times are difficult, you have people to come around you. When times are good, rejoice and celebrate with you. I said often, before, before the last year and a half, I said often about our church that we were an all weddings, no funerals church. We were new, we were a church plant, um, it was kind of all good news all the time. We were growing, slow and steady. All the experiences were new, fresh, exciting. Well, now we're, we're not a church plan anymore. We're just a church, right? And without this mutual commitment, we won't have that kind of belonging that can sustain difficult seasons. God, as we go into a time of singing, Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that that first and foremost, our belonging would be in you. Not in LifeBridge Church, not in each other, God. First and foremost, in you, that that's where our identity would lie. And from there, God, that we could be a church family who shares a sense of belonging that can truly be life-giving, life-altering, life-changing if we will let it. If we're unified in your spirit, God, as the, as the passage talks about. So God, as we sing, Lord, as we sing together, uh, as individual voices and with one voice to you, Lord, along with other churches, believers around the globe, God, help us to be grounded in that, in whose we are, because we're yours. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Keep playing, guys, but I'm just gonna make a couple more quick points on this. This all builds on identity. You guys can have a seat for a minute. Next, belonging together means mutual freedom. Mutual freedom. Freedom to be yourself. And by freedom to be yourself, what I don't mean is to truly express yourself in whatever way you desire at all times. But freedom to be yourself in the sense of being transparent, not putting on your Sunday best and coming to church. I grew up, uh, this was, I grew up in church years and years ago, and it was sort of a suit and tie affair, church, right? And now if you look at the website of a church or their Instagram or whatever, they're not wearing a suit and tie, but a lot of times they're still in Sunday best. They're still putting their best foot forward. They're still pretending. And I can, I can show up here every week and project a better version of myself than who I am. Start wearing hats so the new people don't know I'm bald. I don't know. But the church I need is a church where I can be transparent with you guys, where I can receive grace. We all need that. So when we talk about freedom, it's freedom from those expectations. 
understanding that we are God's, we have grace that we've received because of Jesus' work on the cross. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend to have it all together. We really don't. We do it so much. So often we want to help other people. We want them to be vulnerable with us. But it has to be a two-way street. Mutual freedom also means the freedom to use your gifts in service to the kingdom. This shouldn't be limited to program structures. So if you've got a gift, we don't want to say, we don't want to say, here's where you're allowed to use that here. You need to serve in one of these three programs and otherwise we really don't have anything for you. We want you to be able to use and explore your gifts and empower you to do that outside of those structures. That might make you a little nervous. It makes me a little nervous. I believe it's better. I believe it's better to deal with the failures and the false steps that come from people trying to use the gifts that God has given you. I believe that all of you are gifted for ministry. Some of you are more gifted for ministry than I am. I believe that. Some of you might be thinking, I could preach what he's preaching better than he could right now. You, you might be right. I'm actually not, I, I don't even resist the idea that you might be right. And if that's your gift, come find me, come talk to me. Let's cultivate it. Let's get you up here. Not next week, probably. Not next week. I'm one of Pastor John Adams weeks. Not mine. But freedom to use our gifts to minister, to serve the body, to serve our community. Lastly, belonging means mutual love. Mutual love. If we move to the next chapter, First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What a beautiful passage that is. Look at the characteristics of love on that list. Look at the last 18 months of your life. Give yourself an honest grade. Give yourself an honest grade. It doesn't matter how gifted you are, how correct you are, how spiritual you are. All of those things are actually going to be detrimental if they're not paired with love. They won't just be canceled out. They will harm. They will harm your relationships. They will harm your church. They will harm your community. They will harm your family if you do not pair them with love. I ask you to give yourself a grade on the, the last 18 months. And there's a reason for that. Because we're coming through a hard season. 
in our country, in our church, in churches all over. And doing a better job next time, whatever the next COVID-19 is, doing a better job next time is not going to be the result of getting on the same page about which sources to rely upon. It's not going to be about getting smarter. It's not going to be about getting people out of our lives who disagree with us so that our church is on the same page. It's going to be bearing all things in love, believing all things, believing the best about one another out of a place of love, hoping and enduring together a sense of, of belonging grounded in identity empowered by love that comes only from God and from his spirit that's how we're going to do better next time that's how we're going to do better next time Belonging together means mutual identity, mutual submission, mutual purpose, mutual commitment, mutual freedom, mutual love. I want to belong here. I want to belong here. If there's one thing that I realized in the last probably two years... I got to stop building the job that I want and I got to start building the church that I need, that my family needs. That's what we all need. I want to belong here. I believe a lot of you here are here for the same reason because you want to belong to something. Because actually when we look past ourselves, it's actually refreshing. Actually, when we're asked to do more, when we're asked, when things are expected of us, it's actually refreshing in our world today. I believe that. I want to belong here. And I want to do it with you guys. We're going to sing one more song. And then we'll close. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to pray. God, would you be our source in the season that we're moving into as we explore and discover what it means to belong together and build a deeper sense of belonging with one another. Would you be the source? Apart from you, God, it's not going to help anybody. Apart from your love, it's just going to be noise. So would you be our source? In Jesus' name, amen.